all good grace and the care be unto you on this great and wonderful Sunday morning. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. As we are so glad, let us rise and show each other the peace of Jesus Christ as we begin our service together. find our seats, let's continue to worship the Lord our God.
Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Grace and peace, brothers and sisters, let us now stand together as you're able and join together in the call to worship as printed in your bulletin. The gate stands open, ready for us to travel onward, but we are stubborn and fear to enter the gateway. Listen for the voice of the true shepherd, that voice will lead and obey. Jesus, the good shepherd, calls our names to come and follow. A wonderful voice, speaking our names, draws us to him. We follow without fear, for the shepherd cares for us. Our hearts rejoice, and we can place our trust in the good shepherd. Come, let us enter the gate with thanksgiving. Let us go forth confidently with songs and praise. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 96th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant, and today's date is April the 7th, 2019. Today's broadcast is number 4,936. The Reverend Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled Left Wanting, will be delivered by Christopher Tweel, our Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our Director of Music and Organist, the Chancel Choir, Reverend Dr. Nelson Reevely, our Parish Associate for Outreach and Adult Discipleship, and, with a moment for mission, Katie Miller. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Child care is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the sanctuary. Our opening hymn is Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, which is number 380 in the hymn.
sisters, as we go about our lives, we so often stray from being the people that God made us and intends us to be. In ways large and small, in sharp moments and in lasting habits as individuals as well as communities and nations, we have all sinned. But in Christ, we have assurance that our home in God is not lost, but eagerly awaits our return. Trusting together that the gates of God's kingdom are flung wide open in Christ Jesus, our good shepherd, let us repent and believe in the good news, confessing together the ways we fall short of God's life-getting ways, using the prayer as printed in your bulletin. Patient and loving God, we stand at the gate and peer through. We keep creating our own ways believing that we know what is in our own best interest. And we ignore the voice of the one shepherd who will guide us to peace and hope. We wander aimlessly and then wonder why we get so lost. Help us stop and listen to the shepherd's voice. Let us place our trust in the shepherd who has never failed us, who loves and guides our lives. Forgive us our stubbornness and stupidity. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear the good news, sisters and brothers. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for each one of us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Know that you are forgiven and live into God's abundant peace. Amen. I invite you all to be seated, and it's at this time that we invite our children ages six and younger to abscond to their own chapel and child care. And Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our New Testament passage this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. This passage recounts a teaching from Jesus that grew out of a discussion and debate that he was having with some Pharisees 
about the healing of a man who had been blind since birth, but who had been given sight by Jesus. Just prior to our reading this morning, the man who had been healed had bowed down to praise Jesus as the Son of Man and the Messiah. Listen for God's word. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all out of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they'll run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep, runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And the hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jewish people were divided because of these words, many of them saying, He has a demon. He's out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from Psalm 23. I gave Nelson the long reading. A psalm of David. Jehovah is my shepherd and I do not lack. In pastures of tender grass, he causes me to lie down. By quiet waters, he leads me. My soul, he refreshes and takes me along in the paths of righteousness for the name 
of the Lord. And when, when I walk in a valley and there is the thick shadow there, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff both comfort me. You arrange a table, a banquet over and against the adversaries around me. And you have anointed with oil my head. And my cup is full. Only goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life and my dwelling is in the house of Jehovah for a length of endless days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when I was in Hebrew school in seminary, there was a story that stuck out to me, one that I dearly loved. Our Hebrew professor would often tell stories, taking time out of our four-hour class each day to break up our verb-finding or vocabulary with anecdotes from his life, and he would often tell us about the time that he and his wife spent in Israel and Palestine. I, too, have been blessed to be able to walk through the various places of Israel and Palestine. And so when he told these stories, I was always leaning in, knowing where he was, being able to picture the area that he was talking about. The intensive language program was grueling, and any moment's pause was welcome, just so we could all catch a little mental breath. So in this tale, as he told it, there were sheep. He and his wife were walking down the old road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then there came up the road to meet them a shepherdess, a younger woman who was probably around 30 or so and had all of these sheep, maybe almost 40 sheep around her as she was guiding down the road. Now, the area you can picture littered with uh, scrub grass and small trees. It's a kind of a trail that winds down and around, even though it's well-traveled by pilgrims and locals and tourists. And our professor was walking there with his wife, and as they crossed paths with this bleeding group of neighbors, the shepherdess took the sheep across a small ravine or, or, or a large gully that bordered the path and up over the other side of the hill. Before they completed that topping of the small rise, our professor's wife nudged him and made him turn around and look again at what was happening. Listen, she said, isn't that something? And as he turned and looked, he saw that the sheep were indeed crossing over the ravine and following her, And he saw her nodding in rhythm and looking intently at each one. And our professor said that he could see her lips moving. And he said to his wife, oh, that's really cool. She's counting them as they cross to make sure she doesn't lose any. 
His wife says, no, no, listen. And as he did, he realized he could make out her voice saying, Khaled, Yusef, Lila. She wasn't counting them, of course. She was reciting the name of each sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep. And the sheep know the shepherd. How good it must be to be a little sheep in Palestine with a shepherdess who knows your name, who calls you along the journey because she cares about you. You aren't livestock, you aren't a number, you aren't an ear tag. You are Yusef, you are Sarai, you are loved, you are valued, you are taken in by her protection. When we read Psalm 23 just now, some things may have sounded a little different. I was using Young's literal translation. But what do you think about when you read that poem? When you read that song? Maybe this was something that you memorized as a child or when you were younger. Maybe you've recently received it in a card or... Maybe at a funeral, that seems to be the time when we hear this psalm the most, isn't it? And in the Jewish tradition, too, they sing this at funerals or at the wake. They're waiting over the body. Many people find this psalm a comfort, which comes as no surprise. But there is more to this psalm than we realize A few years ago, I learned to canter this song in Hebrew. It goes on like that. When it's sung, you can hear the passion and the emotion. The song of David. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. It's a beautiful way of seeing the psalm with new eyes. And it repeats parts of the psalm over and over. You prepare a place for me. You prepare a place for me. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Even though I walk in the valley of shadow, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. And it's said to be a song of David, Mizmur, a song. And if it's from David, it's written by someone who knows how to care for sheep, right? By someone who has suffered fear and anxiety and deep pain to care for them. By someone who has stayed awake nights protecting them and depending on God. Think more, though, about who David is. 
Let David's life give you permission to fill in your own fear and pain as you read this psalm. David was a young man who was ripped up from this pastoral life and suddenly in the middle of this war, and not just any war, but a war that he personally had to win the help of God, with God's hands guiding David, of course. But then the celebrity, the fame came to him. There was a deep friendship with Jonathan that was almost torn apart by this jealous and increasingly insane king. Then David had his own rulership, his own battles, his own failures, the death of his son, his other children at each other's throats, and finally his own death before he can complete his life's work in the temple. So tell me, what kind of rich and powerful king then writes a song about grass and streams as the ideal for an abundant life? The very first part of this psalm starts talking about what life is with God. It says, with God as shepherd, one cannot lack or want. It is an idea that is tied to God intimately in a way that is not tied to money or wealth or things. It is tied to a line later in Psalm 23 that says, my cup is full. Notice that's what we read this morning. Often it is mistranslated as saying runneth over, which is very beautiful and poetic, but intrinsically wrong. The word used for lack or want here at the beginning is used previous to this in the story of God's people in reference to their provision while in the wilderness in the Exodus. So take your mind back there, when manna and food were being gathered every day, everyone gathering as they needed it. And the scripture says that even those who gathered little lacked for nothing. And then later in Deuteronomy, in reference to that period in Jewish life, during the flight from Egypt, Deuteronomy says... That while in the desert, no one lacked for anything. The same words that Psalms uses is here. And if you remember, the desert years, while they're escaping, are the years in which God is living among the people in a tabernacle. The days in which God is leading them by day, with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire. They are literally living in the midst of God's presence. And when you live in the midst of God's presence, you cannot need anything. You lack for nothing. It is not a marker of how much you have because that is deemed irrelevant in the earlier passages talking about the gathering of manna. No matter what you gather, you do not want. You lack nothing. So it must be the presence. It must be the shepherd's presence that dispels the wanting. So that the cup, the cup isn't running 
over. It's not extra. There isn't surplus. The cup is a saturated cup. It is a cup that is full. It is a cup that quenches our thirst no matter how big or small our thirst is. However thirsty you are, that's how big the cup is. The phrase that we translate as runneth over is only used one other time in the Hebrew Bible. And it's in Psalm 66, which is remembering, as it states in verse 6, the path of Exodus and the faithfulness of God who led them out of trial and into the place of abundance. But it is not abundance that is stored up in barns or bank accounts or things. This is simply the life without want. Wealth doesn't matter in this case. Wealth can make you want more, in fact. Wealth does not create an abundant life, and neither does poverty, and neither does anything in between. The satisfying cup, the lack of wanting, is the place where nothing is missing in our lives. And that can only come from God as our shepherd, our good shepherd. It's not coincidence that Jesus is using this imagery in John. Jesus, too, is thinking of this psalm. And really, the idea of a leader as shepherd is not new. The Bible didn't come up with it. Jesus didn't come up with it. It was in Hammurabi's code. At the end, Hammurabi himself says, I am the shepherd that is trying to look out for the orphans and the widows. But what's different here is that Jesus is using this imagery and this moment in John to reveal something particular about Messiah. This comes immediately after Jesus has healed a blind man in chapter 9. And the Pharisees spent most of that chapter trying to figure out who Jesus really is. Jesus calls them blind to the truth. And moreover than being blind, they are positioning themselves to run counter to God's plan for Israel. And as we find out in our reading, Jesus mentions the sheep in other folds. So they're really running counter to God's plan for everyone, for the world. And the first thing Jesus does in this chapter is call the Pharisees and Sadducees robbers. They are trying to sneak into the sheep pen by another way other than the gate. We have to notice that because it's not the sinners who are labeled as thieves coming in a different way, but the church leaders. The Pharisees who are strangers to the sheep, causing the sheep to flee. The Bible is wonderfully candid here to tell us that even in the midst of this plain comparison, they're still not getting it. So in verse 7, from our passage from John, Jesus starts again. I am the gate, Jesus says. Christ as the gate is not meant to bar us from entry at any time. As Nelson said, the gate flung wide. 
Christ does not slam the gate in the face of the sheep that's waiting to come in because the sheep is speckled or poor or lame or weak or whatever. The gate is there to keep out robbers, not sheep. Christ, as gate, does what a gate is built to do for the sheep. It opens. It protects. They come in and go out, and by going out through Christ, they find sweet pasture. And notice here that the sheep do not find pasture or filling meals inside the sheepfold. Notice that the sheep do not stay there. They come in through Christ, they go out through Christ into the world at large and find their sustenance there. The promise is not only of the safety of the pen, but of the pasture in the world to be led out into it. When Jesus talks again about being a shepherd, it is a shepherd with two main goals. One is that Jesus as shepherd is there to guide and protect Look back at Psalm 23, and we know that it's with the rod, where the shepherd will get physical with robbers and wolves and thieves, anything that is coming to harm the sheep, and also the staff that is there to guide and move the sheep. Both, Psalm says, are a comfort to the one being watched. And Jesus, unlike the hired hands, does not run from danger and does not live in fear. If there is a valley in which the way bends sharply into the shadows so that we cannot see what is coming around the bend, the shepherd casts our fears out from us. The second thing that Jesus as shepherd tells us is that this shepherding Christ is willing to die so that the sheep will have, what is it, abundant life. A life free of wanting. In exactly the same way as the psalm, Jesus is describing the kind of life that Christ brings. The same life that community and closeness with God has always brought from Exodus until now, a life that is missing nothing, the life that is lived to its fullest by doing what God intended for the life to do. We read Psalm 23 for comfort. We read it when our lives are insecure, when people pass away. When our vocations and livelihoods change in an instant, I've been reading it. <laughs> and I know that many of you have read it and have had reason to read it for those same reasons. We run to this psalm together because of the good shepherd that it describes. Because more than anything, we want the cup that is just the right size for our thirst. We want to be led by a dear friend into that sweet pasture grass. 
When we are in grief, we need to have our souls refreshed. And we ache, no matter the situation or station of our lives, we ache for that lack of wanting reality that only God has. When we can't see around the bend, we want to be reminded that Jesus has the rod that's ready for robbers and thieves who are trying to go over the wall and a gentle staff to pull us back on track. That's when our heads are dusty and weary from our labor. We want to have that oil poured over us, preparing us for new anointed work. Many of us know how this psalm ends by heart. But again, it sounded a little different in the translation we read this morning. We know that there are two things that it ends with. Goodness and mercy in Hebrew, tov and chesed. The best goodness of the universe and God's amazing loving kindness. But these things do not follow us. This is another translation mistake that's been passed down in the English Bibles. Goodness and God's love don't follow. The root word is radaf, and it doesn't mean follow. It means chase. It means pursue. It means to doggedly and eagerly run after. That's the abundant life that Christ has died for. That's the restoration that the good shepherd has for the sheep. A goodness and mercy that we cannot escape no matter what we are doing. This grace and love of God, this Christ who wants every sheep to come through the gate and be saved is coming after us. For every single day of our lives so that we can live true life without want. Goodness and mercy are chasing us down because the good shepherd knows my name. Because the shepherd knows the name of my wife and my daughter and it knows the name of each one of you. God will always be like that Palestinian shepherdess standing just on the other side of whatever it is in our lives, leading us into another pasture, making sure we make it, and saying our name. Let's stand and sing our hymn together. Number 170, the Lord is my shepherd, and I'll not want. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, Left Wanting, which was delivered by Christopher Tweel, our associate pastor for Christian education. The congregation will now join in singing, The Lord's My Shepherd, I'll Not Want, which is number 170 in the Presbyterian Hymnal.
continue, let us continue standing and say together what it is that we believe using the Apostles' Creed printed before you. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's be seated. Join with me in a moment of prayer. Lord, in the words of Thomas Merton, we don't always know the path ahead of us. It's difficult for us to see, and it is an act, a continual act of trust and faith in you. Continue to guide us, Lord. Continue to be with us. Continue to call our name. And it's in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'd like to invite Katie Miller up to share with us a moment for mission. Uh, she'll come right up and tell us all about it. Good morning. I'm Katie Miller. I'm with the American Red Cross. And I'm very grateful to be here today to have the opportunity to speak to you about our mission to make a difference in donating blood. So every two seconds, someone in America needs blood. And did you know that all of us can help with that? Your donation could help save a newborn infant, someone undergoing treatment for cancer or with a blood disorder, or someone that's been in a serious accident. By giving blood, we can save someone's child, their sister, their father, or a dear friend, or even someone we know. On a personal note, uh, my niece and my father are cancer survivors and received blood when they were being treated. So I'm so grateful for the people and the strangers that donated blood when they needed it. I'm also grateful that we were invited back to partner here at Grace Covenant this year for a blood drive. So we'd like to ask you and invite you to donate. The blood drive will be on Good Friday from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m. right here at the church. Our goal is 50 blood donations. So I know we can get there if we all pull together. Um, it's a great cause. Signing up is very easy. We'll have a table. You may have already seen it out in the hallway. And you also may go online at any time at redcrossblood.org. Donating is um, difficult these days because only 38% of the population is able to give. So every one of you can make a difference. If you're not able yourself, please think about recruiting someone who is eligible to give. 
And if you would like to come volunteer that day, the more the merrier. All are welcome. So my final fact is just that the number one reason why people don't give blood, it's not because they're afraid of needles. It's actually because no one has ever asked them to. So I ask, on behalf of the patients in this community that we help, will you join our mission and give blood this Good Friday? Thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. You can see, it's by way of announcements, it's in our bulletin today. As Katie mentioned, sign-up table right outside as you're heading over to the social room for cookies later, so you can't miss it. A few other announcements I just want to highlight at this point in the service. Uh, the um, family meeting that's coming up, you'll read about that in, in here on the 7th. Uh, Pastor Bobby and uh, Elder um, uh, Jess Bereavely are going to uh, host that. And there will be pizza for the kids only. The uh, adults are going to have their meeting in the, uh, in the, in the uh, what we know as the Grace Bible Room on the second floor. Um, the kids are going to be down in child care for that. Uh, we will have extended child care after worship that day. They'll have pizza. Adults will just have to uh, weather through. <laughs> oh, today. I'm sorry. <laughs> the 7th. What, what, is, what day is today? Um <laughs> Also, just speaking of today, uh, the movie afternoon that we had planned, uh, you've been seeing it, talking to go see uh, Best of Enemies, really incredible movie coming out. Uh, the time is posted finally. It didn't open until Friday, and so they didn't have the time posted. We've been saying around 3 o'clock. It's 4.20. All the other information is still the same. It, the movie starts at 4.20. We'll meet there at the theater. The address, again, is in the bulletin. Uh, but the movie is at 4.20, so we will look forward to seeing you all for that. Dropped. This also is great for us by way of information. As we're getting ready to go into a time of tithes and offerings, uh, fill this out. Let us know if you have concerns, if you have joys, if you have prayers that we can surround you with to help you hear the voice of the shepherd. Please let us know. Uh, fill this out, uh, put any notes and things that you'd like on it, and just drop it off in the offering plate as it comes around. So now, as we enter into this time, there is a certain amount of trust that comes. And there is a certain amount of understanding that even though our wantless life doesn't come from our uh, abundance that we might happen to have. But perhaps being in a life without want frees us to trust, frees us to give, frees us to contribute a moment and a piece of ourselves in the offering plate that says, I trust in what God is doing. I can't see around the curve of the valley, but I trust in what God is doing and I trust in what the church is doing. So, you are invited. Please give today as you are led at this moment.
bow in prayer. Lord, everything in our lives comes from you. The security that we have in our spirits doesn't come from what we have earned or from what has been given to us down through the families. It doesn't come from gifts. It doesn't come from our incomes. Only you have the cup that will quench our thirst. Lord, we ask that you take these gifts, these ties, these offerings that we have presented to you this day and continue to use them to support your work, God, to support your voice being heard by other sheep, to support the work of bringing other sheep into the fold through the gate of your Son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We have a blessed occasion. I don't know if any of you were able to see some of our social media from this past week, but we were passing a picture around a famous American artist who painted this image of an African-American man sitting and reading by firelight Holy Scripture. He painted that in 1863 almost immediately after the Emancipation Proclamation was sent out. The title, as you might have seen from the media that we had published this past week, is The Lord is My Shepherd. When the Lord is our shepherd, it doesn't mean that that's the end of the journey. It doesn't mean that that is the completed work of our lives. Much like it was for that man, he's sitting in the picture on top of a Union coat. We get the idea that he served in the military. And for now, there is a rest to the labor. There is a refreshing of the soul. There is a tending of the pain of war and tumult. We know there's still more yet to come in that history, as there is still more yet to come in our lives. And so, going in and out through the gate, hearing the voice of the shepherd coming to the table for a meal, is not the end of agony, but it is the promise of nourishment. And fulfillment and the lack of want. Sisters and brothers, let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful to be gathered together in your name this morning and around this table. We are so grateful, Lord, that we are not our own, but that you formed us as part of your good creation, as your sheep, so that we might thrive in your abundance and your peace. And Lord, we are so inexpressibly grateful 
that when we fell into sin, you, our good shepherd, came after us to rescue us and to bring us home. And so we gather around this table, Lord, with thankful hearts, and we gather not because we found you, but because you found us and you call us home. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are called home in a deeply personal and individual way. We are called by name. We can imagine that it was by name as Jesus sat with his friends that night having a meal together, celebrating a festival together. Remembering that it was God who provided a lack of want after Passover and into the Exodus journey. It was at that meal, Jesus looked at each of the folks around that table and said, this is my body, broken in love for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Paul tells us that as often as we drink of this cup, fulfills our need, and eat of this bread that nourishes us. We'll do so in remembrance of Christ and in the grace that was brought to all of us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so, my friends, the table is set. Let's come together and eat. And as we eat, as the elders come and provide you with nourishment, we'll hold each of the elements until all have been fed, and then eat together as one family. For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening for Wednesday night supper at 6 p.m., followed this Wednesday by a Lenten service in the chapel at 7 p.m. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineers were Steve Kemp and Cameron Baird. We'd also like to acknowledge our guest, Nate McKinnon an elder. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES 590 AM 97.7 FM.
Take and eat. You have been called by Christ to drink the cup that will give us sustenance and never want. 
Brothers and sisters, let's join again in prayer. And let us pray together the prayer that Christ taught us when he came incarnate to save us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's sing together our final hymn, hymn 101, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
are all called by name to come into the sheepfold to be protected and also called by name to go out through the gate into rich and wonderful pastures. And so, my friends, may you always hear the shepherd's voice. May you always know that even though you can't see around the bend of the valley in the shadow of what seems to be death, the rod and the staff of Christ are there to comfort you, to be with you, and that there is no escaping the goodness and mercy that is hunting you down for all the days of your life.